All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Everybody, welcome to Dropping the Gloves, official podcast of hockeyfights.com. We're going to dig into some really important stuff today. We got a coach that was fired. We got a guy who was named captain. We got an epic battle happening out in Alberta. We got a team that's absolutely in free fall. All of the media wants them burned at the stake. And we got some quick hits and a voicemail. Just a rundown of the show today. What do you think of that intro, Tim? I like that. I like that we kind of give the previews, but you sound a little low energy right now. Um, no, you know, I had a game last night for my men's league, Jolly Pumpkin, and it didn't start till 830. And that means we didn't get off the ice until 930. And you know how it goes after the game. You have a couple socials and next thing you know, you're walking out of the rink. It's it's closing in on uh, Cinderella time. Uh, The glass slipper is going to turn into I'm going to turn into a pumpkin. So I'm a little tired. You know, I woke up early. And uh, it is what it is. Nobody's perfect, Tim. Nobody can wake up. You've probably done 100 push-ups already and taken a shower, and you look all great. I'm sorry. Okay? <laughs> Are you saying you haven't showered this morning? No, I showered last night after hockey. That's a late night at your age, though. It's getting up there. It is. You know? And I'm not, I'm not even going to take bite because I know that was a veiled insult. It is a late night, especially with the time change, because my kids don't realize that we have fall back. They still wake up now. They're usually w- used to waking up at 6.15. They're tickling my toes at 5, at five in the morning because they're, they're ready to roll. It's time for school. I'm like, go back to bed. And they're not going back to bed. You know, their internal clocks is time to go. Let's get ready for school. I want my Cheerios and my buttered toast. Let's, let's get this show on the road, Papa Bear. And so, you know, what are you going to do? You rise to the occasion, Tim. And so I apologize. I'm a little low energy right now for you. You know what I mean? I my, my six kids and my wife and my life sometimes get in the way. Mr. It's, what have you done this morning? It's That's not really it's not for me, it's for the listeners, you know. It's not it's not about us. Never I would assume us. they would understand. They're people too. I I'm not a puppet. I'm not I'm not like a <laughs> a show clown. I just have to turn it on. I'm like go go go. I have my feelings too. If they think I'm low energy, listen to another show. It's going to be a great show. I just gave the rundown of everything we're talking about. It's going to be fantastic. And you're starting off on this negative note. One more question. How was the game last night? Oh, baby. I'm glad you, I'm glad you asked. So I missed warmups 
because I, I just got there late. So I jumped on the ice and it was my first shift and it was go. And I'm like, I need it. I realized that I need a little time to warm up. So it took me the whole first period to warm up. I was minus two, my first shift as I, I couldn't pivot. I couldn't turn the legs need a little time to get lubricated. So it, it wasn't a great start. Second period, much the same. Um, I like to poach. I like to take chances. I play defense. So I'll try to bait a guy to pass across ice and I'll jump the pass much like a cornerback jumps the quarterback's pass, try to get an interception. This time the D man pumped faked me and it was a great play. And the guy kind of went in behind me, caught a pass in the middle. Luckily he missed the net, but they ended up getting a goal on that shift. It, it was a rough start to the second period. We were down four to one. And then we started the claw back. The, the team we were playing their average age, I would say would be 22. 23 our average age is probably 35 so we're a little older you know a little more experienced our 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 pace is a lot slower but we managed to claw our way back into the game we had some good zone time i eventually you know got up to speed and tim i scored one of the best goals in my career (laughs) which career uh all all time it was four (laughs) four we were pressuring them It, it was it was go time there's like two minutes left guy on my team john state trooper great guy he, you know, gets the puck on the half wall. I start sneaking down. He cross ice pass to me. I'm high slot. I wait. There's no lane. I just wait a little longer patience. I'm just slowly dragging it to the middle. And this is all. It happens like in three, four, five seconds. Most people would have got it, shot it, and the puck would have been blocked or got, you know, tangled up in the bodies in front. But I, I waited that extra second. Saw a little daylight in the net top left. And I went back barred down. And it was like, I did the classy celebration where I turned around, went right to John, fist pump, nice pass, went lined up at center ice and bingo, bango, bongo. We won 5-4. Away we go. Labat blue light in the locker room. I was loving life. <laughs> nice. I wish I could have saw it. I want to catch one of your games. Oh, it's great. It, it was a good feeling. It was a good win. You know, we're slowly kind of rounding into shape. We're not where, we're, where we will be. We're still, you know, making a lot of mistakes on our team, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Yes. All right. But anyways, let's get to some NHL action. So uh, my former team is Chicago Blackhawks. They obviously went through the whole scandal with Kyle Beach, that whole drama. I don't want to bring up that again. When that was happening, I made a comment. I said, the only one who might, you know, benefit from this a tad, if that's even the right thing to say, is their, their coach, Colleton, because he, he extended his career a little bit because he was on the chopping block right when this whole scandal dropped. And sure enough, they, they're slowly trying to figure out Kyle's case. Colleton, what's his Jeremy? Jeremy Colleton, he got fired the other day. Rightfully so. He This team, they went out this offseason. They got a lot of high-end guys to come in. They made a lot of moves. They got the big free agent defenseman, the big trade for Marc-Andre Fleury. The, the young guys were going to you know take a step. They were getting Jonathan Taves back. Kirby Dock was going to be back after a full offseason of, of preparation. It was going to be a new team to step on the ice in 2021-22. And they have just been terrible. There's, there's no other way to say it. They have been awful. They have, even before the scandal, they were like just a shell of the team that they should be. And, um, you know, the coach was the one to pay the price. He got fired. They, they brought up Derek King from the AHL. He saw his first action this past weekend. He got his first win. Feel good story. DeBrinket had a couple genos. It was, it was a good start for him. Do you think 
they're going to show any life and turn things around him? Or is this just, you know, putting lipstick on a pig where they're a bad team and they have to make some changes? Uh, gosh, I hope, I hope they do show signs of life. I've said all along, you know, this is a, this is an exciting roster. This is a team that should be better than they have been. I don't know if, I mean, Colleton clearly wasn't the guy. And even you bring him, you go back to when they brought him in, like, he was filling some pretty big shoes with Coach Q, and I don't think he was just the right coach for this situation, this team, this market, this time, really. So um, it's not necessarily, you know, all on him, but I just don't think it was it was the right move to get rid of him. And now I hope they start to string together some wins. You know, Chicago being good, Patrick Kane putting up numbers, all this stuff, Flurry being back to himself. This is all good things for hockey. Um, so I hope they do start to crawl back a little bit and win some games for sure. Yeah, I don't think they will. Um, I, I think they'll play 500 from here on out. But when you dig yourself that kind of a hole where you lose your, I think it was the first 11 games or 10 games, whatever it was, it wasn't a great start. You literally have to play six, six, 700 hockey the rest of the way. So they probably have 70 games left. You got to go 45 and 25 to even sniff the playoffs. You You can't start this far behind and expect to, you know, make the playoffs in this day and age when you have so many good teams. So uh, I believe this season is over unless you have an epic St. Louis blues type situation where they just all of a sudden catch lightning in a bottle and they're just too good to beat. I, I just don't see it happening They're right now. Luckily not in last cause they have Arizona in their division, but they're, you know, in the central Colorado's in sixth right now, you have, you have to believe that they'll figure it out. Then you have Winnipeg, St. Louis and Minnesota, Minnesota and St. Louis have slowly put together a very impressive start. Minnesota Wild have just been playing really, really good hockey. They've been beating really good teams. They eke out wins. They win, win. They get wins convincingly. They've been doing everything right. They made a lot of good moves this offseason, and they've jumped into first place in the Central Division. St. Louis Blues are right behind them. So I don't see Chicago making any inroads in that division. It, w- it was a great story to start the season. They were going to be back Chicago Blackhawks back and better than ever, but it just, it didn't come to fruition. I'm sorry. You know, what, what else do you want me to do? You have to change the makeup of this team. Is it time to start thinking long-term for the Chicago Blackhawks and say, maybe this isn't Patrick Kane's team anymore. You know, maybe, maybe this isn't Jonathan Tape's team anymore. At what point, and we talk about this with all the teams that have dynasties, with the Los Angeles Kings, the Pittsburgh Penguins, all of these teams that have won multiple cups and invested a really, really large amount of money in a couple guys. At what point, I don't even know who the GM is anymore. It's um, Kyle Davidson. At what point are you the Blackhawks GM and you have to look in the mirror and say, this isn't the team that's going to win the cup. We need to train, trade Patrick Kane. Does that ever does that ever happen? Does, do they ever trade Patrick Kane? I don't think so. He's he's the face of the franchise. He's the guy who sells tickets. Tim, do you see that ever happening where they actually entertain offers for Kane or Taves? Actually, I think, yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, they've only got this year and next year on the, on the books for Kane and Taves, each making 10.5. If they were under contract for much longer, I would say no, only because no one would take those contracts. But yeah, I think... Those are pretty good contracts. I mean, that's that's double digits. It's a pretty hefty chunk of the salary cap. But, yeah. I mean, Kane putting up the numbers he's capable of, he's worth it. And he's still only 32 years old. Like, he's got a lot of good years ahead of him. He's going to be, you know, bringing that that point production and, and that experience. So, yeah, I think there's some 
point, if they continue to falter, I don't know if it'll happen this year or most likely next year, if they falter again, why not? Why not just kind of change the roles a little bit and you say, hey, Debrinkit, hey, Doc, hey, Kubelik, Ethan Seth Jones, like this is your team now. You know, do you know where Patrick Kane's from? Uh, Buffalo, right? You know who's got a lot of cap space? Ooh. It'll never happen because he's got a full no-move clause. Like, he has to okay every trade that, you know, is proposed. He can't just be traded at all. But wouldn't it be cool if the Sabres somehow pry Patty Kane out of Chicago and he's like – the impetus of their resurrection. He's the guy who just turns it on and then the way they go, but that would be pretty fun. If they could pry Johnny Taves and Patrick Kane out of Chicago and they all of a sudden just write the ship in Buffalo, but I'm just, that, that'll never happen, but it would be fun to, with the teams that do have some salary cap with the team could, to take on a contract of Patrick Kane, the Detroit Red Wings come to mind. You know, that they are going to be a good team in the next few years. They have a lot of salary cap space, and they're going to have more next year when they lose Danny DeKaiser, Nick Letty, um, Mark Stahl. They're getting all these contracts off the books. You know, you never know. Stevie Y, the connection is there. I'm sure he's, you know, came across Patty Kane once in a while at the Olympics or this and that. So it would not surprise me if they would, you know, kick the tires a little bit in Chicago, but I just don't think Chicago can let those two guys go. They're going to go down as the two of the best Blackhawks of all time. They're going to have their numbers hanging in the rafters. And do you ruin that legacy if you're the Chicago Blackhawks? You already have enough bad press going on. Do you really want to add on top of that trading away your two, the face of your franchise? I don't know. Maybe if, if you're a shrewd hockey guy, you have to do it. But this is where sentimentality comes in and just, you know, maybe being somewhat loyal to your fan base because i i don't know maybe maybe i'm just overthinking it and they should do it because if you're the new england patriots you're making this trade you know you're not going to sit here and be in mediocrity and hopefully maybe we'll we'll kublik will step up and to bring it and you know we'll have kane and taves and we'll win a stanley cup there's there's a zero percent chance the blackhawks make win the cup this year well maybe not zero point 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 five percent i'm not going to say zero but i know that'd be interesting you think yes, I think no. We'll see how it goes. All right, call it and got fight. On the other side of that, we, we finally had a captain named in Ottawa. You know, I, th- I think the Ottawa Senators do a lot of things wrong. I think um, their GM and owner are not the greatest, you know, duo when it comes to making decisions and, you know, how they act in the public and this and that. They finally made the right choice. They named Brady Kachuk their captain after a holdout this offseason where he wanted to get paid and he finally got paid. It was it was a logical choice for Brady to make captain, don't you think? Was there any other option other than Brady Kachuk in Ottawa? I mean, Shabbat was really the only other name that comes to mind. But no, I think Brady's a, the leader on this team. And I actually went back when I when he was announced over the weekend. I went back and listened to that interview we did with him earlier this year, and you could just tell like that pedigree was there, that leadership, and that the best part I think was like. You asked him, like, who are the guys that you don't like? Who are the ones that you kind of always sort of finding yourself in battles with? And he's just like, I don't like anybody. That's the, like, that's just my thing. I don't like anyone in the league, except unless you're on my team. Um, I think that kind of that intensity and that attitude is, is pretty cool. It's not something you see a lot of or as much of these days. So I think he's the right pick. Um, and I just hope that he's able to put up the numbers that he can. Yeah. Does it, um, does it concern you that he isn't the – the points leader 
you know, type of captain that other young captains tend to be when they're named at this, this age, because Brady's what 1920, he's a young kid. The other young captains who have made, you know, were made captain at that age are like McDavid's Landis Scoggs. Uh, the first big one was Vanilla Cavalier. Then you got Taves, Crosby. All those guys were 20, 20, 19, 19, They're all high end, you know, skill type players. You're, you can, you know, set it and forget it. They're going to get 75, 80, 90, hundred points a season. Does it concern you at all that Kachuk is not that type of player? No, let me throw some other names at you. Uh, David Backus, Dustin Brown, Ryan Callahan. Like these, you don't need to be the points leader to be the captain on your team, especially if you bring that sandpaper and the physicality to your game that impacts the the game every single night in other ways, not necessarily getting on the leaders, the leaderboard. So, and I think, I think those points will come. He's obviously not as talented as, as some of those guys you just mentioned um, offensively, but I, I don't think you need your captain to be your best player. And just look at what Panarin said. He's the best player and he didn't want to be captain. So I think it's, <laughs> it, it takes more than that. Correction. Kachuk's 22 years old. Oh, he's an old man now. He's old. I don't know why I thought he was 20. He was born September 16th, 1999 so why are we even talking about this he's so old it's not even a thing but i i I agree with you i I think it was a no-brainer for him being named captain no other person stands out to me when you have to be a captain you can't just be the guy who scores the most points You, you can't be the guy who's just a good locker room guy you can't be the guy who's just good in public you have to be everything you have to be you know, the vocal leader in the locker room, you have to be the guy who's the leader on the ice. You have to be the guy who's the face of the franchise out in the public. It, it's an all-encompassing job. And so for those who say, well, he's he's a quiet leader, you know, he leads by example. I don't, I don't think that's a thing. Uh, if that's your, you know, claim to fame as a guy who leads by example, you're not going to be a very good captain. You need your captain to be vocal sometimes. You need your captain to, you know, step up and and make that speech, step up and say something. Yeah, it's great to lead by example, but you have to use your voice. So I think Brady Kachuk is that guy in that locker room. I have played with guys who are incredible leaders. Patrick Marlowe comes to mind where he does lead by example. He goes out there, he does his job. He's an incredible inspiration to everybody he plays with. But Patty would never be a good captain because he's too quiet. And I played with lots of guys like that, where you look at him, you're like, man, this is a really good leader. You know, I, I want to, you know, go, go through a wall for him. But when times get tough, you need someone to kick you in the butt and like kind of chew you out. And some guys just can't do it. They don't have it in them. And I think Brady Kachuk is, is a guy who will do that. So I don't know. I think it's a good choice for Ottawa. There probably are a few other guys who are good leaders, but like he's going to be there for years. He just signed a big deal. I don't think him being a non-skill guy is a big deal. I think he he's a straw that stirs a drink, as uh, Reggie Jackson coined uh, with the New York Yankees a few years ago, Tim. Yeah, that's one of your favorite expressions. I love saying that. And I don't even like straws, which is funny because when I get a water. environment. I, yeah, so it's it's great. Good, good, good on Brady Kachuk. Bad on Jeremy Colleton. You know what's bad on me, Tim? You what? know what's bad? What? I, I, I didn't use DoorDash this weekend, and I should have. I used it last night. You did? Because yeah. DoorDash is the greatest food delivery system on planet Earth, bar none. 
it's it's unbelievable how they work. They're the proud sponsor of the Nation Network of podcasts. If if you want to order food and you want it done right, go to DoorDash, fire it up on your app, fire it up on your computer. Use promo code GlovesDDUS if you're in the USA. Promo code GlovesDD if you're in Canada. It gets you 25% off, no delivery fees on your first order. You can use it for restaurants. You can use it for grocery stores. You can get whatever you want more. Check it out. See what they got. It is an unbelievable app. I use it all the time. Tim uses it all the time. The times I don't use it are the times I regret not using it because I go to bed hungry. And I'm like, why did I do that? I have no food in the house. I thought I could make something. Don't be a dummy like me. Fire up DoorDash. Get yourself some food. It's totally worth it. They're a good company. It's cheap. It's it's quick. It is reliable. Use it. They'll always come through doordash.com, promo code GlovesDDUS, and GlovesDD if you're in Canada. We get to get a straight promo code. The doubles don't work. Speaking of Canada, the Battle of Alberta is alive and well. It is kicking. It is fantastic to see. The Edmonton Oilers are on fire. The Calgary Flames, somewhat of a surprise this season, are also on fire. You are an insider in Alberta. Tim, you know, all things Edmonton, all things Calgary. What are the people saying in Alberta right now? Is it just so fun to have these two teams back playing at top speed? Well, in fairness, I'm more plugged into Edmonton than I am with Calgary. I'm working on building my Calgary sources, but it takes time forming relationships. I can tell you about Edmonton though. They've won four straight and people are excited. Um, It's not just, you know, they're, they're, the points that these guys are putting up are ridiculous. McDavid and, and Drysaddle, obviously. Nugent Hopkins is like top five in points. I don't think he's scored yet, but he leads the league in assists. Tyson Barry has woken up a little bit. They've gotten some really good and surprising good goaltending from uh, Koskinen. So, yeah, it, a lot of things are, are are kind of gelling for them. They're first place in their division right now. What, what concerns me, and maybe not even concerned yet, but kind of just taking all this with a grain of salt is just – We've seen this before, haven't we? Like, we've seen this team do really well, but are they built for the playoffs? Is this going to be just another regular season dominance from these guys, and then they lose in the first round to a, a Minnesota or something? I don't know. What do, you, what do you see? How do you see that playing out? Well, I've talked about this many times. I think everyone knows my feelings on the Edmonton Oilers, where they are a very good team. Don't get me wrong. They're a very talented team. They're 9-1-0 right now. They have 18 points. They're sitting on top of the Pacific. It's a very exciting start. Yes, they've won four in a row. They're an exciting team to watch. They have everything you want and more when it comes to your team. They have very exciting forwards who get up and down the ice, can score better than any team in the league. They have unbelievable defense. Oh, never mind. They don't. Their defense has been playing well to date. Darnell Nurse is there. Tyson Berry's obviously going to get up in the rush. Their goaltenders, Koskinen. Mike Smith is out on the IR. So the thing that saves Edmonton, and I'll say this again, they play in the Pacific. They get to play tap-in games all the time. They play Seattle, Vancouver, LA, San Jose, Anaheim. Vegas has been very mediocre this season they're a 500 team to date they get to play the arizonas in the other division when they cross over they don't get a lot of hard games they don't get a lot of tough competition so that's been really really nice for edmonton people always say oh but you don't know what you're talking about i do i do so yes i said it a few episodes ago they probably will go 65 and 10 and whatever the rest of the number is, 75 to 7, like they're going to get a lot of points. They, they might get 100 points this year. It doesn't mean a thing until you get to the playoffs. I don't think they're 
I don't think they're going to win the Stanley Cup by any means, but they're a really good team. And when it comes to the Battle of Alberta, if I'm picking a team to come out of there and make some noise in the playoffs, it's not the Oilers. It's the Calgary Flames. They've shown me a lot so far this season. I don't think they were on anybody's radar to start the season. They get Daryl Sutter last year. Everyone was just kind of writing it off like, oh, you're going to get the old guy. You're getting this guy to come in. His his time has passed. You know, he doesn't coach like the team should coach these days. He doesn't coach speed and skill and this and that. Well, lo and behold, when you look at the standings right now, the Calgary Flames are right behind the Edmonton Oilers. They're 7-1-3. and They have 17 points, and they are playing absolutely great, great hockey. Their last 10, they haven't lost a game after they lost their first game of the season to the Edmonton Oilers. So take that one game out. The Calgary Flames are undefeated, and they're playing really, really good hockey. If you just do um, – kind of a comparison of who they played, you know, Edmonton and Calgary, they both played Philly. They both played the Rangers just this past week. They both played the Rangers. Edmonton somehow managed to win that game when they had no, no business to win it. Connor McDavid threw them on their back, Superman them, and they went at six, five in overtime. The Calgary flames played the same New York Rangers the next night and they absolutely dust them six, nothing. So I don't know how much that has to do with back-to-back, Rangers being tired, Flames being fresh. That might have something to do with it. The, earlier in the week, they both played the Philadelphia Flyers. The Flyers beat the Oilers. The Flames go in there. Both teams are rested. Both teams are at 100%. Flames beat them 4-0. So if you're just looking at a comparison of competition, the Flames come out, on, come out ahead. And taking away that first game of the season, I think the Calgary Flames are the better team. I like the way they're made up. I like the way the team's playing. I love that they have a cornerstone goaltender in Jakob Markstrom. This guy has been on fire. He is the MVP of their team right now. He's the Vezna front runner. He's been playing lights out. He's been getting shutouts like every third or fourth game. The guy throws a shutout in and he doesn't show any signs of, of slowing down. I just really enjoy Calgary. Noah Hannafin, I was reading an article about the trade that they made for him and um, gosh, who was the other guy? Elias Lindholm a few years back. And it's just, they're really, really, you know, producing for this team. I like Calgary Flame. Matthew Kachuk, Johnny Gaudreau is kind of rounding out. Sean Monaghan is playing well. I don't know. If I'm going into the playoffs and I'm going to pick a team coming out of Calgary, it's, it's the Calgary Flames. Don't you think? Or are you, you all in on Edmonton? I don't know. I, like I said, Edmonton makes me nervous. And I mean, there's a chance. I, I don't know. It's still so early. There's like so many things can happen. We don't really necessarily know who these teams are yet. And speaking of that, like I'm curious right now, there's, there's the top three teams in this division are Edmonton, one, Calgary, two, Anaheim, very surprising in third place in this division. Then you got San Jose and Vegas, then the LA Kings right behind them who've won four in a row now. So if it's, if it's February, who are the three teams that you have coming out of this division? It's just, it's been so strange. I think Vegas will write the ship. They'll, they'll get there. And Edmonton, like I said, they're going to continue to win. And same with Calgary. So the top three teams are Edmonton, Calgary, Vegas. They have to be. And that fourth position is just going to be up for grabs. Will Vancouver ever figure out? It seems like they. everyone hopes they're you know the team that we want them to be. They got Pedersen. They got Hughes. They got Besser. They got Miller. They got all these you know, they go and get Ekman Larson. They got Garland. They got Myers. They have like all the tools are there. They're getting Travis Hominick back. They can't figure it out. I don't understand how they can't figure this out. When you, when you do this, the eye test on paper and you look at this team, it's like, they should be winning. Why are they not winning? What is going on? I can't understand Vancouver. I don't know who the fourth team is going to be, but it's going to be Edmonton, Calgary, and Vegas has to figure it out. 
right? Maybe they don't. They got a lot of guys that are injured. They just traded for Jack Eichel. He's not coming back anytime soon. So maybe Vegas, this is their off year. Maybe they just punt this season and away we go next year. You know who would like that is the Buffalo Sabres. Get a nice high draft pick if Vegas kind of scuttles and doesn't do well this year. But it's, uh, it's Edmonton and Calgary's division. If Vegas figures it out, they'll slide in. But it'll be... Whoever gets that fourth seed will just get pumped in the playoffs. It won't even be close. And I know it's early, but they're the worst division. It's going to be the worst fourth team to make it into the playoffs. It won't even be – maybe they'll catch fire. I don't know, but it's Edmonton and Calgary. They'll, they'll be one and two. I think Edmonton will finish first. Calgary will finish second. Vegas will finish third. And then whoever wants it more will finish fourth. Whoever's, whoever's more hungry, Tim, you love that. Whoever's more hungry will finish fourth. I don't know. Anything else in the battle of Alberta you want to touch on? I'm just surprised you're not giving any love to the Sharks. They've they've really like outdone expectations this year. They look like a different team. They're still not any, you know, blowing mm-hmm. anyone's minds, but the the energy coming out of this team, the guy, the things that guys are saying, we talked about it last week, Hurdle and and all these guys are just happier and they're scoring and they're winning some games. They're six, four, and one right now. They're fourth place right now in this division. They look pretty good. Yeah, you know who has turned it around is Eric Carlson. He's been a completely different defenseman than he was the last few years. I don't know if he's been injured or what. Maybe he just didn't like Evander Kane. Like he was the guy who he just really didn't like, and it affected his game that much. But he's come out, he's playing well. Mario Ferraro, their back end's been playing pretty good. So we'll see where it takes him. Oh, Carlson's hurt right now. What happened to him? How'd he get hurt? Is he on COVID? The COVID list right now? What does know. it mean when your status is non-NHL raw? They must be on the COVID list because he's been playing. He hasn't missed. I don't know. I just noticed that right now because he hasn't. I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? They've been playing well. I don't think they're going to maintain it, but it is a good story. Hopefully they don't. Here's the downfall of San Jose. If they, if they continue to play well and they kind of drink the Kool-Aid and they say they're going to be good. Next thing you know, they think they can compete. And maybe instead of you know doing the smart thing and trading a Thomas Hurdle, and getting something for him, like, oh, maybe we can, you know, keep him and we'll have a good playoff run. Then you don't get anything for him because he's going to leave in the offseason because he he doesn't want to stay. I think he's made that abundantly clear. So we'll see what happens. I still think you trade Thomas Hurdle. You get a bunch for him and you kind of revamp your team. You got to get away from Brent Burns. You got to get a rate from Mark Edward Vlasic. I don't know. It is great. San Jose's winning. Good for them. All right. Anything else you want to talk about this dunk, dumpy Pacific division? Or can we move on to the dumpy Montreal Canadiens? Let's move on to the dumpy Habs. So the preseason, you know, favorite, much like the Chicago Blackhawks, both of these teams, original six teams, such high expectations. They go out. They do a lot of maneuvering this offseason. They lose some players. Obviously, Shea Weber is on LTIR. Carey Price goes away, you know, for personal issues. He's coming back soon. They lose Kaki and Emmy to the Carolina Hurricanes. So, But they bring in some guys. Jonathan Duran's back. They bring in Mike Hoffman. They get David Savard to fill Shea Weber's place. You know, things are looking up. Nothing has worked this season. And Cole Caulfield, the guy who was going to step in, him, Nick Suzuki, Tyler Toffoli were going to be their first line. Worked so well in the playoffs. That didn't work out. Caulfield's gone. It it has been a train wreck. It's been a disaster. Nothing has worked. Who knew Corey Perry meant so much to this team? I don't know. But whatever worked last year in the playoffs, whatever mojo they had is completely gone. Nobody's playing well. It's it's a complete lack of chemistry on the ice. If you've watched a game, it, it's it's not good. Nobody. The only guys who are somewhat playing well, Jonathan Duran's playing well. Jake Allen's been okay. But other than that, it's just been... 
mistake after mistake, missed assignment after missed assignment. No one's finishing Nick Suzuki. They give him that big contract. He has just, I don't want to say he's played awful. He hasn't played up to his potential. So what needs to change in Montreal to, to make this team competitive any, at all? They have six points, Tim, six points. They played 13 games. The Arizona Coyotes have three points. They are a couple wins away by Arizona to being the last place team in the whole NHL. And that's okay. But when your salary cap right now is $91 million and you're using LTIR to get under the cap, you can't be the last place team in the league. You have to be one of the best teams in the league when you're spending this much money. What, who, what heads need to roll right now? Um, I mean, part of it's on the players. You know, this is this is a pretty similar roster. You mentioned some of the key differences, but the guy's got to perform. And that, that's a big part of it. Maybe firing the coach will ignite a spark. Um, I still, I mean, Jake Allen's been pretty good. I still think they definitely throw in the loss of Carey Price, but I don't know. It just, it kind of defies mm-hmm. logic too. Cause like this team should not be this bad. And, and no one's really talking about that. You're talking about the Blackhawks, talking about the Coyotes, other teams that are underperforming and, the Habs have kind of flown under the radar, it seems, except for maybe inside the city of, of Montreal or Quebec itself, right? Yeah, well, no, definitely. The, the media, the one thing about Montreal is they'll let you know. They're not afraid to, you know, throw a little throw a little shade at a player if he's not playing well. And everybody in Montreal is all about getting rid of Deschamps, their coach. He's got to go. They say he he's a bad in-game manager. He can't, you know, transition if you're winning, if you're losing. He he has no idea how to change his um process of coaching. He's got a, a one track mind. He's like, we're gonna play like this regardless of the score. It's okay. That doesn't work in the NHL. You have to be able to shift on the fly and and just be flexible. They got to get rid of Mark Bergevin. And Mark Bergevin's been there a long time. He's had a long rope. They, they've let him transition this team, start over a couple times, you know, get his players in there. It's the Mark Bergeron show right now. The, the media is calling for his head. They're calling for everybody associated with him to go because they're all the scouts, all this and that. They're all Mark Bergeron hires and nothing has worked for Montreal. If they don't make the Stanley Cup finals last year, like that, that saved his job. They've been an epic failure ever since he's gotten there. They've, they've shown no signs of just winning at all, despite that one lightning in a bottle playoff run last year. So I, I think you file, fire Mark Bergerman. I think you fire the coach. But then what do you do? You're still saddled with all these guys and all these players who are underperforming. Can you really go out and trade a Gallagher who makes 6.5 a year for the next seven years, six years? All these guys have long contracts. He signed them to big numbers, like a Josh Anderson for 5'5", five, five, and Mike Hoffman for 4'4", four, four, Dvorak 4'5". Will anybody bite on these contracts? I don't know. A Jeff Petrie making 6'2", David Savard 3'5". He was supposed to fill in Shea Weber's shoes. That hasn't really worked out. Jeff Petrie, I don't know what happened to him from last year to this year. He is a completely different player. It's, it's not looking good. The thing they need to do is they either need to convince Shea Weber to retire just to get him off the books and you need to trade carry price. You have to wait until a team that's a contender and their goaltender is an issue and you have to get carry price off your books. I've been saying this for years. They exposed him in the, in the expansion draft. They were hoping Seattle was going to take him. They did not bite. They need to get rid of him. Whether it's eating some of his salary, whether it's packaging with picks, whether it's packaging him with prospects, you have to get out from this contract because you have a decent team. 
at the end of the day, when you look at their roster, they have some good pieces. You have Suzuki, you have Caulfield, you have a lot of good young players like in and Paquette's not bad. You have some players there who can, you know, keep up. I love Josh Anderson when he plays the way he's supposed to play. You can't just give up on this team altogether. I, I still think Montreal has a good team, but they do need to tinker with it a little bit. And that starts with just getting rid of Carey Price and either convincing Shea Weber to retire or just shipping him off to Arizona. Isn't he on the LTIR though? He is. He is. But some of that does count count against the cap and you need to, you need to work with that a little bit. So I don't know what they're going to do. I don't, uh, it's a mess. It's a lot to deal with. If you're the GM, it's a messy situation. I, it's, I think it's just the players need to produce. Like, your, your leading point scorer is Nick Suzuki, who's turned it on lately. He's got 12 points in 13 games, but it's only three goals. Tyler Toffoli, three goals. Joanne, <coughs> two goals. Josh Anderson, three goals. Like, you're not getting goal scoring. Mike Hoffman's their top goal scorer with four, four goals, one assist, and he's minus seven. Like, I think the players just need to produce. I don't know if it's just that Stanley Cup hangover or, or what, but this is a team that they're icing a pretty solid roster and they should be producing better than this. I think it's, this is mostly on the players in my opinion. Well, yeah, but I, I think that if, when you have a lot of good ingredients, it comes down to the, the chef because he deploys the players. He, he has to come up with a system for these guys to be successful in. And they're averaging two goals a game. They have 26 goals. They played 13 games. This is exactly two goals a game. You're not going to win any games when you're scoring two goals a game in today's age. So, you know, it, it, the thing is, it's too late to fire the coach and to just hope we make the playoffs. Because much like the Chicago Blackhawks, they're three and 10 right now. There's 70, 69 games left for them. They have to go 45 and 20, whatever. That's, that's, a, that's a tough task for anybody, let alone a team that's scuttling and they've lost two in a row and three of the last seven. So, it's, um, I don't know, this season's over for Montreal. The writers have it correct. It's a lost cause. They need to start over, but it's it's a very hard thing to start over. Like, if you, you want to get a carry price out the door, what do you have to do? You got to package it with a second rounder, and you're going to eat some of his cap. This has to be done. You have to wait for that situation where a team's a contender, and their goaltender is either hurt or shaky, and they want someone in to kind of man the man the pipes and lead them to a Stanley Cup. But does that really happen with the goaltenders very often? I don't think so. It, it's it's a tough look for Montreal who came into this season with such high expectations. All right, moving on. Patrick Lining injured four to six weeks, oblique screen. Does that what any effect to Columbus? Is Columbus even a thing anymore? Should we even bother talking about it? Columbus's fifth place in the Metropolitan Division. It's going to be a big uh, impact for them. Any comments on Patrick Liney with an? Where is your oblique? First of all, Tim, you know, like your side, right? I think so. Und- under your arm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so- that's a that's a blow to them for sure. But I, and this isn't a team that people have many expectations for. I think they've already exceeded expectations. Haven't they won a good handful in a row now? Um, yeah, so they they've done well. They're they're definitely keeping up in that division, which is the best division in hockey. So uh, they're seven and three pretty good stinking start for that. <laughs> like, don't look now. Columbus is, is a pretty decent team, but it, it's, it's a big blow for them. He, he's the guy in the power play. He's the guy you kind of set up for the shot. He is the Ovechkin of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And he wears a turtleneck, which I love. I love that look. A nice turtleneck, not a tight one, a loose one. I absolutely love it. Another injury, Anthony Mantha, shoulder surgery out indefinitely. Does it, does it matter to the Capitals? I mean, yeah, it does, but they're they're going to keep winning games, and Ovechkin's going to keep scoring. So he didn't he didn't score last game. No one no one tweets me when he doesn't score. 
You know what's that? Everyone's so quiet when he doesn't score. When he does score, it's like, oh, better get on the phone and tweet. <laughs> yeah. Did you tweet me when he when he doesn't score? Losers. He's not gonna get 30. Yes, he's he is. Gonna he's gonna I think he has a better chance of scoring 50 goals than scoring less than 30. Bet. Is he gonna become over 40 or under? Okay, whatever. We'll do that next show. Sororkin, <laughs> the New York Islanders, everybody's preseason cup favorite the New York Islanders has slowly, actually not even slowly, they've shifted away from Semeny Varlamov, their guy who they pay. What's it? Did I butcher the name? Simeon Varlamov. So what I say? So many, so many, so many Varlamovs. <laughs> Why do these guys have such weird names? Why can't it just be like Gary, Gary Varlamov, the guy who is supposed to be the player, the guy who they pay a boatload and they want him to be the starter, he's out. Ilya Sorokin's in, who's a very, very good young player. He's 26. He played lights out last year when they gave him the chance. They kind of split last year. All of a sudden, he's taken the reins of this net. He's played, what, the last nine of ten games? He's got three shutouts. You know, is is this the right move from Islanders? Yeah. I mean, while he's producing, like you said, three shutouts, he's, his goals against is less than two right now. He's playing lights out. Uh, it's surprising that they've given him so much of a workload this early, um, but I don't think I don't think it means that Balamov won't be a big part of this team down the stretch. I think it. I think probably the difference is if this continues instead of Balamov being the one and 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 Sorokin being the one A, it's going to be the other way around if they if these guys manage to make the playoffs this year, which yeah, I think I they will. I, I agree. Staying in the East, the two do two heavyweights. In our power rankings, they're always one, two, interchangeable. Carolina and Florida played. Florida came out on top for the first meeting. Any uh, significance in Florida winning? Or are they established themselves? They planted their flag as like the team in the NHL right now? They have. I mean, they, it wasn't even close. It was they, Florida just dominated that game. And it, interestingly enough, our, I don't know, your old friend Anthony Duclair is having a really strong start to the season. Have you been following his stats at all? I have. He's got two goals, two assists last game. He's been playing really strong, especially in a game like that where everybody's watching. He's had a good start. I I saw another article talking about how Ottawa just let him walk. You know, he was an all-star. He scored 20-some goals that season, and they didn't get anything for him. Now he's just – he's been playing pretty good this year. Did you, you like, bash Duclair somewhere along the way? Because there was a one or two tweets – there were one or two tweets when he he scored and you got like John's like, oh, you were wrong about this guy too or something. Not recently though. And not that, not like you did with Ovi. No, but I'm, I'm sure I did. I, I bet you I said it was a bad idea for him to kind of hold out. Yeah, I can't yeah. be right on everything. Everyone's just all over me. He's had a, a very good season. He's got what? 12 points this year. He, he did what? Eight goals last, already. Eight goal, But it's not like last year he lit the world on fire. He scored 10 goals last year. It was the season before that he was. Yeah, I know the season before he had 23, he scored 21 of them in the first like 20 games. So everybody needs to pump the brakes a little bit. Like it's not like last year he came out and he was Austin Matthews and lit it up. He scored 10 goals last year. And I know it's me saying this and everyone's gonna be like, oh, you didn't score any goals. I don't care. 10 goals is a good season for an average player. If you're Anthony Duclair and you want a certain type of money, you've got to score more than 10 goals. So I'm glad he's got eight goals. Much like Ovechkin, he's not going to get 30. So let's just relax. If anybody wants to send me a private message and we want to put some money on it, be more than happy to put money on Anthony Duclair not hitting 30 goals. Any amount you want to throw at me, I'll match it. But good for Anthony, good for the Florida Panthers. It's it's nice to see them winning. No one's talking about Jumbo that much. 
Jumbo Joe, maybe he was the guy that they needed to get to kind of get this team going because they're playing really, really nice to Florida Panthers right now. They made, they needed Jumbo to come in and start slashing guys just to, just to be a little old, old menace out there on the ice. Sorry. What other couple more quick hit, quick hits. My favorite team, the Maple Leafs five wins in a row beat the Boston Bruins. Are they, have they, have they figured it out, Tim? Uh, well, it's interesting. I think I forget the exact numbers, but I think the last 13 goals have been scored by either Marner, Matthews, Tavares, or Nylander. Like no one else on the team is scoring, which is okay. Like when you have that depth of elite talent, like you should be able to lean on them. They're going to need secondary scoring, obviously, but like it's, if it's one or two guys, it's something but four guys. I don't know. It just shows that that talent when they're clicking, I don't know if there's another core that can really touch them um, except for maybe Edmonton, but, and now they're, they're winning games. Campbell's been playing lights out for them. So this is a dangerous team to watch for sure. They're a great team. They're, they do it every year. They've proven it for year year in, year out. This is not what everyone's concerned about with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Everyone knows they're going to be a good team. Everybody knows the power that they have. We'll see what happens when we get to the playoffs, right? That, that's what we're all waiting for. Are they going to have an epic collapse and lose in the first round? I don't think so. I think they're going to have a good run in the playoffs. That's what I'm hoping for. The thing that worries me right now is Mrazek is down for a few weeks, two, three, four weeks. Jack Campbell's going to be the guy. Are you going to burn him out? I don't know. You know, goalies aren't used to starting a lot of games anymore. They're used to splitting. Jack Campbell's never been really the guy, a starter in the NHL. He rode shotgun with quick. He took over his net later on. Um, then he went to Toronto and he, he kind of split, right? He hasn't had that many games in a season. So will he burn out? Is his body ready for it? I don't know. Probably. Maybe it's a little thing we're trying to nitpick, but it is something to watch for. Mrazic is done. Jack Campbell's the guy. Toronto's playing well. Austin Matthews. We knew they were going to figure it out. You're, you're, they're too good to not put points up. Like I said, though, it doesn't mean anything right now. It doesn't mean a thing. It'll mean something in the playoffs when they meet up with Tampa Bay in the first round. Because if, if the, the things stay the way they are, it's going to be Toronto-Tampa Bay first round. Can you slay the dragon and beat Tampa Bay? I don't because Florida is going to win this division going away. I think they've established themselves as the best team in the NHL right now. So it's going to be Toronto, Tampa Bay, two, three. That'll be a fun first round matchup. Can you slate Kucherov's going to be rested, baby. He's going to be, he's going to be firing on all cylinders. Can you kind of get that monkey off your back? Another monkey off the back. The Yotes got the first win. Very, very exciting to see them get there for who did they beat? Uh, Seattle. It wasn't an overtime. No. It was like a minute left. They scored. Yeah, it's a win. Come on. It's a win. Seattle. They take what they get. This is the first they, win they, of the season. They can. It's nice. The road but, to um, nine wins. It's the road to nine. Just it is the, the worst team ever. I don't think they will hit nine. I, I <laughs> really don't. But good for them. They were getting very close to the most losses to start a season. I think they were two wins away from eclipsing whatever team that was. The Rangers, I believe, hold the record for the worst start in NHL history. But good for Arizona. It's got to be a tough situation when you know your owner and GM are actively trying to scuttle your team because they're not surrounding you with NHL talent. It's got to be frustrating. So good for them. They go out. They get a win versus Seattle, who doesn't have much firepower. But hey. You know, a win's a win. It gives them, it lets them exhale a little bit. And I've been in situations like that where you lose a few games in a row and you finally get that win. It's like, yes, you could celebrate like you just won the Stanley Cup. It is a fun thing to do. So good for the Yotes, good for the Leafs. Everybody's doing well. It, it's, uh, they're going to have another stretch like that where they lose 10 in a row, though. 
you mark my words, they're going to have a couple stretches where they have double digit losses in a row. So buckle up if you're in Arizona right now, because it's going to be a long season, boys, like a long season. Anything else, Tim, you want to touch on? No, that'll be it. I'm sure some breaking news will happen as soon as we click stop on the recording, as it usually of does. Course. But... Of course. You want to talk about Evander Kane at all? No. Jack Eichel? What, what about him? No. I'm just no. asking. We, we usually talk about it. I'm glad we brought up their name. So we, the, the streak continues. All right, everybody. <laughs> I hope you had a good weekend. I had a good one. It was a great weekend. But uh, go out there, make a difference, have a good week, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.